0: Everyone and welcome to this episode of Talking It Out. About today, I am very lucky because I am joined by two wonderful guests. So I am joined by Tom. Hi, Tom. Hello. And I'm joined by Alex. Hi, Alex. Hello. So this time we've got two guests on um, who've got very different experiences of F and D. So hopefully, between the three of us, we can have some really interesting conversations, or it will (laughs) go horribly wrong and I'll get really confused. But it'll be fine. Tom, please don't try and confuse me on purpose. It will be fun. Um, to. <laughs> so let's just start with... Um, thanks for coming on, guys. Um, Tom, would you like to share what you've been up to? Because you've been up to some very exciting stuff recently.
1: Yeah, yeah. been very busy. Um, so basically, I've just... We, uh, I've been working with the charity FND Action.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, we've just launched a new campaign that we would love everyone in the FND community to get involved with. Um, it's called the Inform the Doctor campaign.
0: Yeah.
1: And it, it, the purpose of it is basically, most FND patients have been through the experience of seeing a medical professional who either doesn't understand the condition or who says it's purely psychological or, or in your head.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, or um, even, well, I someone messaged me recently and said they spoke to a doctor who told them FND didn't exist. Oh gosh, which blew my mind. Um, mm-hmm. so we, one of the big problems is there's there's a huge there's a huge gap between the leading researchers who've done amazing work in the last five or ten years into trying to understand this condition what's going on in the brain um using brain scanning fmri mainly and um and the rest of the medical profession stuck in the past you know very stuck in this kind of old fashioned freudian idea that Mm. it's all just uh patients converting uh emotional trauma into physical symptoms and that's a very outdated, very simplistic idea that, that really isn't fit for purpose. So what we felt would be really good is if we had a campaign that was aimed at getting this information out to uh, as many doctors as possible. So the idea is that you, you go to the FND Action website, and you click on the Inform the Doctor campaign link, Mm. and basically there's a medical information sheet, and it's got everything your doctor needs to know about FND, including all the latest research. And you can either print it off and give it to your... It's probably mostly aimed at GPs, but it's aimed at, you know, any medical professional. Yeah. Um, But we, we would like it if people you can either print it off and, and just hand it to your GP. Or alternatively, there's a PDF version, um, which you could send to them. And we've actually drafted a, a very short letter that just explains what it's about. and it um, So you don't really have to do hardly anything other than just put your name under it. And um, you can copy and paste that and then send the PDF to your GP. Um, and hopefully that will give them everything they need to know to be updated but it's not just gps any medical professional your consultant your your neurologist um and we've already had actually quite a few people have got back to us and said they've they've given it to their gp or their neurologist and and they've actually had a really positive result you know the doctor has said oh gosh i didn't i didn't realize you know That FND was so complex. I didn't, you know. I clearly need to, you know, update myself. Thank you so much. So it's it seems to be already having the desired impact. Yeah. So so yeah. Please do go to the FND action website. Check it out. (laughs) Love it.
0: Um, I think it's. I think it's one of those. Really, it boggles me that. Sorry, I started like three sentences in one there and then didn't actually finish any of them. Sorry. It really well already this morning. Um, It boggles me that there are still doctors out there that have never heard of it. But then I guess when I think back to before I had it, I didn't know anything about it. No. From that medical side, you're like, you kind of, I guess you assume, and you know what they say about assuming, you really shouldn't do it. But you assume that medical professionals have this kind of overarching knowledge of lots of different things. And they do. But then certain things will fall through that net, and it just blows my mind that there are still people out there that have no idea what it is, and yeah. some people have no interest.
3: Mm. In um, what it is either? Yeah. So um, one of our um, one of the gentlemen that I'm currently working with is going, Alex. It's like the most common condition that you've never actually heard of. Yeah. So
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, what's really interesting is what Tom's saying is that I've been following the campaign, although it's only been, you know, going on very briefly, um, and seeing some of the successes that have happened already, which is great. And yeah. I've certainly yesterday signposted somebody to the information so that they can take it to their pastoral tutor at university.
1: Uh, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah.
3: So it's those kinds of things, absolutely.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, that's and it why. makes it so easy for people, I think. Oh,
1: brilliant. Yeah. Mm. I think with one of the problems is that, so I have mm. a friend who's a, a doctor who qualified only really in the last five years. And she actually was not taught anything about FND when she was mm. training, literally nothing. It wasn't even mentioned. And she told me, I mean, mostly, I think she's mostly now working in A&E. And she said, basically, she learnt about it on the job, you know.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: She learned. Yeah, it, had a couple of people come in with seizures and say, "I've got FND," and she had to look it up. Mm. So I think, yeah, yeah well, the the education is such a big part of what we've got to do, you know, as campaigners. I think, you know,
3: yeah, it's huge. I think it's it's very much the. Um, I will always say to people, uh, it's getting better but you guys need to be great advocates for yourself. And yeah. actually, one of the things that we really concentrate on is saying, okay, if you were in a pub and somebody come up to you and said, you know, I noticed that you're walking a little bit funny, what's that all about? You could actually sort of talk to them and say, this is what it's about and and be feel quite confident in doing that. And then moving on to having conversations with um, health professionals who aren't familiar with the condition, but so that you're not, um, you not preachy, you just want to work with them so mm. that you can get the best out of your healthcare.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, it's so, so important. Um, but of course you're all going through something really, really hard anyway. And it's difficult enough to understand it yourself, let alone to be able to explain it to somebody else.
2: Absolutely, so, yeah. giving
3: us th- information that you've done is, is a terrific idea.
0: You've got to catch us on the right day so we can explain it. Otherwise, it's not going to work that day. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I think you. I think that's one of the challenges, Alex. Is that when you're you're very unwell, and also there's mm. so much mm. of different information out there about FND. So mm. we certainly the good thing about this this sheet is that it it gives people the wording they need Mm. Um, because I think also often you'll you'll see a doctor and they will have a set of kind of stereotypes about what an FND patient is and Mm. a lot of them might be quite negative you know they might be sort of you know I mean I encountered a lot of quite abusive difficult behaviour from consultants you know I've had Mm -hmm. this for 20 years and it's getting better but certainly in the first sort of few years there was an enormous amount of you know why are you wasting my time it's all in your head you know um, there's nothing wrong with you all the tests are normal so people are often coming up against those kinds of attitudes mm-hmm. I think that is one of the challenges is when you go in there um, they may already have that kind of attitude so I think uh, an information sheet like this is great because firstly they can see it's from one of the big FND charities so that immediately Mm. gives it weight um it's all been medically checked and everything by our you know the 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 team the medical advisory board at FND action so um and and it's all there the the Mm. thing that really convinces doctors at the end of the day is scientific evidence and we've listed all of that so mm. i think but it is i think it is very it is can be very tough when you're, you're already very ill and struggling
3: absolutely
1: absolutely getting into a debate with your doctor you know about what fnd is you know and that's what i hear as a campaigner all the time messages from people saying you know i i got in this argument with my doctor because my doctor was you know that it was conversion disorder and i had repressed trauma and that's mm. why I call it I said, No, it's more complicated and they said, No, it isn't, you know. So mm. those are the challenges, you know. Yeah. I, think,
0: I think it's always that um balancing act, isn't it, between you it's such a hard thing because you you can because it changes so quickly. You can yeah. walk in one day and you can be functioning at your best, which may not still be hundred percent, but at your best, and people look at you and they go, Well, there's nothing wrong with you because they can't see the internal things that are happening for you, like the brain fog or whatever it might be.
2: And yeah. then the next
0: day you've lost your walk, your talk, you don't know who you are and you think you're a mushroom. Like you couldn't, I don't know why I went to that. That kind of just happened. Sorry. Um, like it, mm-hmm. it, can, it can change so quickly. So then when you do end up in front of a doctor and you're saying, oh, I'm really struggling with my symptoms and they look at you and they're like, yeah, but you're having, you're all right today.
2: Yeah.
0: We end up in that battle of, yeah, but because I'm all right right now doesn't mean I'm going to be all right in an hour's time
2: mm-hmm. or in Definitely. like two hours yeah. time
0: or tomorrow. And you end up that, in that fight, like you said, of like, please, can you just believe that I'm not doing this on purpose? There is something going on that I'm not in control of. But yeah. when you're in that state, you don't have enough fight in you to fight them and fight your own brain and remember how to you know walk up the stairs or remember to feed yourself. There's yeah, all these and, things going on isn't
3: there yeah and I think it's incumbent on us as medical professionals um to advocate for you as well I don't mm. suggest that absolutely you know that we should be leaving to te- leaving you to your own devices and feeding you to the wolves so to speak <laughs> um uh it's um we we should also be doing that mm. um and I think it is getting better and certainly I mean I want to tell you something really lovely is that Um, again another one of um, the ladies that I deal with she's now got an aneurysm so she's got a problem with her heart and very very serious and I actually had a letter from her um, cardiac surgeon to say I don't know much about FND can you give me a ring can you write me a letter about this lady and you know what um, how it might be for her so we sat together she and I and we created a patient passport. And we've actually sent it to the surgeon, and he's super chuffed. Mm. And he's actually getting his MDT together to try and understand this lady, right. but also understand post surgery how she might be.
0: So an um, M- MDT,
3: a multidisciplinary team. So it's Thank a group you. of um, <clears throat> it's a group of professionals um, who should be built around that patient's care. <clears throat> Sorry, I've had a bit of a cold this week, um, right. and it's um. <clears throat> so it might be you've got the surgeon, the anaesthetist, um, you've got nursing colleagues, intensive care colleagues, physios, OTs speech and language therapists, whoever might be needing in that pathway. And so he's saying, "I want the best for my patient, and therefore I want to know." So it is happening. It's sporadic, but it is happening. I think there is. More of a groundswell, definitely. And there'll be more of a groundswell with your campaign,
2: Tom.
1: Yeah. I mean that's a great story, Alex. That's that's how it should be, isn't it? You know? Mm. Yeah. You yeah. really did a fantastic job. And that but that's a really open minded doctor as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know? mm. Yeah. And there are there are many wonderful doctors out there and I've met a lot of them, but there also are unfortunately a proportion who are very close-minded and that's that's where mm. it's challenging um yeah I I, mm. I, I, I am optimistic because I've seen enormous change mm. in the last 10 years mm. and when I got this condition 20 years ago I mean it was a different landscape then there was literally there was nothing 20 years ago mm. Mm. No, no one had heard of FND, and there were no charities I mean really there was there was zero you know
3: yeah, and I be, I I hear the same, and I and I feel the same too. Um, I've been working where I'm working, oh gosh, probably six or seven years now. Um, so, and certainly the landscape has changed in that time, even within my department. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: and the drivers towards um, educating other medical professional colleagues. Uh, that that's really where it's at so you know you've had some beautiful stuff produced for our GP colleagues and some of them reach into us some of them don't um yeah. and then uh we get invited to a lot more educational groups um mm-hmm. I certainly um I'm aware of work that joint work that's going on with our Um, emergency department at the big hospital near where I I work and our nurse who's particularly um, her pathway is particularly devoted to people with um, non-epileptic attacks. Um, She is actually working within the emergency department now one day a week. It's not perfect um, to actually try and catch stuff that's going on in the emergency department right there because there's been some evidence to show that, again, if people don't understand it right there in the emergency department, then what you get is that, you know, um, revolving door that goes on. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. And, yeah, and people feel more stigmatised in a, in a pressured department, and obviously you're going into a department which is completely overwhelmed already, so it's really important that, again, um, those staff members that work in those settings have some knowledge um great work going on with paramedics um again because often they're called out because people are utterly frightened about what might be happening to them Mm -hmm. so yeah it is getting out there tom so i agree with you the landscape is changing it's not perfect by any stretch but it's getting there i
0: feel i I, I agree because obviously like i'm more newly diagnosed in comparison to tom um being nearly four years in january which is very scary it's been four years Um, But when I first started interacting with doctors, when I first started getting symptoms, it was very much a, it's in your head, why are you choosing to do it? Like, why would you do this? Stop it sort of thing. But as I've come across more doctors in my kind of journey with FND, that kind of opinion has dropped slightly more. And you you get the doctors that want to ask you questions about it and want to understand. And then you get the doctors that kind of brush over it and Mm. ignore it
2: yeah
0: and, and kind of go oh well, I don't need to worry about that and I'm like well no because if I'm on the table and something is happening and I have an FND moment I'm going to call it mm. you are going to then worry because I, you've not given me the time and the space to explain to you that I might revert to being a five-year-old and you don't need to worry and you don't need to panic and yeah. you've just kind of brushed it aside so you I, I feel like from where I am you have those groups of people who either really want to know or really don't want to know and, mm-hmm. and that's just been my kind of experience of it and there are some like you said there are some great uh, medical professionals out there who care so much and want to help in every way that they can and yep. um, it's just a shame that unfortunately the educational process hasn't moved through enough that that is kind of yeah the, the bigger number really
1: yeah I mean does that yeah,
0: sense?
2: yeah, yeah. It totally okay. does. we
3: need it right <laughs> We need it right from the very beginning. Yes. I think, I think I've think i seen you know some work out there about trying to embed um, knowledge about functional neurological disorder into curriculums, whether that be in allied health professional curriculums yeah. or whether that be in medical curriculums.
1: Certainly um, that's something that's being worked on at the moment. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, but
1: it's, still, um, it's sort of being developed at the moment, I think.
3: Yes, absolutely. So you've got obviously, um, certainly um, the, the Royal College of Psychiatrists is certainly in their neuropsychiatry faculty are working on it, for example. Um, so you get, you know, you've got that that group of professionals, so neuropsychiatrists being those that are trained in neurology and psychiatry and integrate um, brain and mind theories together. Um, and there's the group of consultants that I work in um, with in my department Um, they are certainly focusing on it and I do some work talking to our medics that come on placement and um, I always invite them into the group and um, our um, group attendees absolutely love it when the medical students come on um, <laughs> I think the for old medical students feel a little bit like, oh ah, my God. But, um, but actually, uh, what a great experience for them because actually, chances are, um, yeah, here we go, most common disorder you've never heard of. But yeah. actually, at least they'll kind of go, oh, yeah, I remember during my training. I tend yeah. to Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know. I, um,
0: I had the opportunity to talk to a um, clinical psychologist student and mm. um, they were like, well, tell me tell me and i was like what it, and i just kind of i went for it and i i I've, i feel like i bombarded them a little bit with information <laughs> but i was like it's so nice that a student has taken the time mm. to ask that question and say look what what can you tell me that i won't get from a textbook
2: yeah and
0: the person who'd set up the meeting was like they will take so much more away from that because really? they were able to talk to someone with lived experience yeah, reading yeah. it in a textbook very and that, important that that is our superpower really tom we have the superpower of having the the lived experience I, and therefore we can shout it from the rooftops because we have been there we yeah. have done that um i, I like think, the idea of being a superhero now maybe i should get a cape
1: hmm? sounds good yeah i, I <laughs> can see you as a superhero definitely i just stand. Uh, I, I
0: don't know where i'd stand but i feel like a cape with fnd on the back would be great F- fnd woman yeah that's it that's
1: that's my new tagline <laughs> the FND version of Wonder Woman
0: yeah
1: so... <laughs> I yeah I mean I I think you're right I think the that it's more powerful when they hear it from a patient I think it, uh, when it's just a sort of you know something in a textbook it doesn't have the same impact does it I think when they talk to someone with it and they sort of can hear about how it affects you in your life on a daily basis then then it it's, it you're right. I think that is the important thing. And that's a big part of what we're doing in advocacy, I think, is telling our stories, is trying to convey the difficulties of living with this condition, you know, and, and the challenges or mm. sort of rehab from it, you know. But um, I mean, a bit like you, I saw a dermatologist recently and she was saying any other health problems. And I said FND and she said, oh, what's that? And I explained it to her and then she quickly looked it up and was fascinated and then wanted to talk about that for the next <laughs> ten minutes. Which was I loved it. I thought this is a really, yeah. this is a great doctor. Yeah, someone absolutely. who's got that wonderful kind of intellectual curiosity, you know, where they really wanna like they they're they're interested in sort of mm. solving problems, you know, those are the people that have have changed the FND field. I think it's the people who've just got that kind of curiosity and that desire to really, you know, how can we help these patients? How can we get to the bottom of what's going on in their brains and nervous systems, you know? So it was that that was a lovely experience when she did that, you know? And yeah, so I'm very different to the sort of experiences I had 10 or 20 years ago. Mm. Um, But she was much younger. I think the, the younger generation do have a different attitude it's it's more the kind of old school sort of paternal, kind of authoritarian type, you know, that is more difficult to deal with. Um, fortunately, a lot of them are now retiring, so hopefully, you know, we're going <laughs> to move forward a bit. You know?
0: <laughs> I think it's just that constant talking of um, talking between professionals in whatever capacity that might be and the people that are living it and the carers around them, the families, and being able to share that information across. I, I had someone come on who was talking about caring for their their child with FND and how they kind of wrote almost like a cheat sheet for how to look after the child if the FND flared up. Yeah. And I was like, that's such a good way of making it very clear <clears throat> for that person, this is what you need to do. Um, and no matter who picked it up, they were going to be able to interact and help that person to the best of their ability because they had this very comprehensive list of if this happens do this this way go this way like and I think being able to communicate it in whatever form it might be whether it's through your videos Tom or through your artwork or through random bits and pieces all of that communication will add up to that education and that awareness being spread further and further and hopefully kind of make the experience that FND patients have to be slightly nicer in terms of not yeah. being met with why you're making it up it's all in your yeah. mm.
1: I think also just to let just so that we we people know that we exist because I think the, the condition has just been brushed under the carpet for decades mm. you know um so I, I I mean a really interesting thing someone told me recently they did a uh, they looked on twitter and they looked at how many times fnd was mentioned back in 2014 mm-hmm. when they first got into campaigning and it was something like 30 times in that entire year on twitter oh, wow. now it's literally hundreds every day
2: mm-hmm. so wow.
1: between 2014 and now that is actually fantastic you know yeah. so so that's Things are moving forward, you know, but there's still a long way to go.
0: I think the use of social media, although it has its drawbacks, has been so helpful in that respect because, like, you have got things like the tags and stuff, yeah, and hashtags that link you across. Like, I've had so many people reach out who I'm imagining have come across because I always tag in FND whenever I tweet, for example. Yeah. I've come across from that way because you do just search. I know when I first got diagnosed when I could actually process what was happening, I did exactly that. I looked on Twitter for the tag of FND and it led me to this wonderful community of people and I haven't left. I'm sorry guys, I've just decided to stay. Um, but, that's, but that's kind of how it is, isn't it? Like you find yeah. people just by looking for the keywords.
3: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And here I am connecting with you two, and I never thought that possible. Yeah. Um, So, and, you know, I could kind of go, oh, well, okay, I really wanted to get rid of them. But, um, (laughs) actually, um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. And I've connected with so many other people right around the planet.
2: Mm. Yeah. And people will,
3: um, yeah, message you, and you'll say, yeah, okay, how can I help? Mm. I think it's a how can I help it? It's moving from talking about it, isn't it, to, to doing. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, Alex, can I ask, how did you first, what was your journey into FND? How did you first come across it or as an O.T.? Oh, o-
3: as an O.T.? I was an OT. Wow. Okay, so when I, was, um, when I was training, which was 20 years ago, yeah. um, you know, I had heard of a diagnosis called conversion disorder. Sure. um as as it was um and as it still is in some diagnostic manuals but we won't even go there
2: <laughs> and
3: um so uh and I thought oh okay that's an interesting concept um but obviously my philosophy and the philosophy of the profession is it doesn't matter what your diagnosis is it's actually about what you can do and how occupation can, um help you in your recovery or help you to a particular place where you want to be um so anyway um fast forward I suppose and I mm, I want to say probably about mm, 15 years ago I sort of entered this space where I was working in um a team which is called Assertive Outreach Team. An Assertive Outreach Team is a branch of uh, like a a community mental health team. And it's for individuals that don't or can't engage with traditional systems, medical systems, i.e. come to an appointment, so on and so forth. Um, So it was really about trying to get people engaged um, and supported in uh, medical settings and mental health settings. And and I came across a couple of people who had conditions that straddled both the brain and the mind. And I was just super interested.
2: Yeah. And I thought,
3: I want to know more about that. So I decided to see if I could get funding to do um, postgraduate study. So that's the study that you do after being a, a, your undergraduate degree. Um, and the areas that we're talking about it were places such as neuropsychiatry, which I mentioned earlier on, that crossover between the brain and the mind. And so I enrolled at um, Birmingham University to do the master's in neuropsychiatry. And that's where I started to learn more um, about the debates surrounding um. Somatic disorders, so somatic disorders are um, considered to be psychiatric disorders that are connected with the way that the the brain and the mind embodies distress. And under that came conversion disorder, and then people started to talk about it in terms of it being, okay, maybe this is actually something to do with the neurological system. Anyway, I learned more about it through my master's degree. And then I went back to um, working in what's called a community neuro rehabilitation team locally to where I was living.
0: That's a bit of a isn't it, that name of that team?
3: (laughs) (laughs) And um, so that was a community team of therapists who were particularly given cases of people with neurological conditions. And because I had this kind of special interest All of my colleagues would be like, oh, we've got this that's come through. Do you want to do you want to see that person? And I'd be like, all right. Yeah. okay." And then I sort of collectively grew (laughs) the caseload of people Mm -hmm. um, uh, with um, various conditions, including functional neurological disorder.
2: Um,
3: And at that point, the job came up where I'm currently at, which is in a regional centre in the West Midlands. Um, in neuropsychiatry which just happens to hold the contract for um, a functional neurological disorder yep. and that's how I sort of became more sort of mainstream FND. Now it's
0: mainstream. part of my, Love it.
3: Yeah. mainstream <laughs> FND and that's it's kind of part of my role because my role covers all neuropsychiatric conditions so I'm I'm kind of known for holding I suppose folk with FND but I also work with another condition called Huntington's disease and that's another part of my caseload but interestingly enough for me they are probably the two most misunderstood groups of people in, <laughs> in the entire <laughs> medical um lesion of uh, of yeah. diagnosis so um and I love working with both sets of people yeah. Yeah. um I am obviously, I'm an occupational therapist. So what I bring to it is, okay, you know, um, what is it that you need to learn about your condition to be able to live with your condition? How can we help? Um, And then I connect, hopefully, what I do through the group is I help people understand their condition. And hopefully, um, perhaps, come to some form of acceptance um, and adjustment. And then how can you actually live with it? How can you be the same person with the same values, but you've got to go around it in a completely different way? Mm. How can I reconnect you with things that you love, things that are meaningful to you, which you often, as an individual that has this diagnosis, you lose yourself somewhat. Um, I see people,
2: um,
3: you know, grieving their former self and thinking that they've completely lost their former self, and actually they haven't. And it's about reconnecting them somehow and finding the resources to do that. That's mm. actually quite difficult because, you, you know, I know there's this huge drivers in FND world for, you know, more services for folk with FND or more understanding of it. But I have to say at the moment, it's very difficult out there with very skinny on the ground and there's probably no more money in the pot. So sometimes it's actually about, okay, we need to be a little bit more creative here. It's not perfect, but let's see what we can do. Yeah. And I suppose that's, does that answer your question, Tom, or have I gone off yeah. on one?
1: No, <laughs> no, not at all. It's fascinating. I mean, it, it's interesting because there are a couple of things you raised there which um, were very interesting. Firstly, I think a bit like I had a wonderful occupational therapist. Mm. I was at the National Hospital for Neurology in London. mm and that was the the multidisciplinary team that really turned things around for me 10 years ago mm. um, and got me from basically being non-functional unable to walk use my arms you know and being looked after by carers housebound in really awful horrific pain and a lot of spasm they turned things around uh incredibly and gave me my life back and my ot a bit like you was because it sounds like you're you're applying a lot of psychology there as well
3: oh yeah um
1: uh, occupational
3: therapists really... are yeah. um i don't know if you're aware but we're jointly trained so oh, we yeah. train yeah. oh yeah yeah so within our training yeah. um we are trained from a psychological perspective but also from an embodied and physical perspective
2: yeah. and we
3: amalgamate the two in our training yeah. so there are um, quite a lot of occupational therapists that have a high degree of um, psychological training and neuropsychological knowledge. Yeah,
1: yeah, I didn't know that. That's so interesting. I didn't either. I mean, my yeah. I think my my OT did have certainly. She did have um, a back a background with CBT as well. I think mm. we're talking about that and um, but a bit like what I mean. I thought it was very interesting what you're saying about things like that the sort of the grieving process of getting the condition, the the loss of identity. Mm. And that's something that people talk to me a lot about when they contact me for advice and stuff is they say I'm really struggling with you know not being the person I was before. Mm. And certainly for me that was massive because I was I was a very successful professional musician having a really great career. Mm. And suddenly I'm basically housebound and i kind of lost everything and that happened very quickly
2: yeah.
1: and it was a, it was it was a horrific adjustment so i think it's great that you what you're saying resonates with my experience with with my occupational therapist too that sort of sense of how can we rebuild your life to incorporate you know more some of what of perhaps who you used to be but sort of also an acceptance that you know, things are going to be different now, you know. Mm. And and we need to sort of, we need to find a way forward, you know, in terms of finding your new self, perhaps, you know. Um, mm. Not to say that the situation with FND is hopeless. I mean, certainly for me, I also want to give people hope in that, you know, I am now playing music again. I mean, it's been an enormous amount of work to get to this point, but... But you're doing it. Yeah, I mean, my old identity is sort of slightly coming back but at the same time I am a very very different person because of what I've been through mm. um mm. I've certainly much less impulsive probably a little bit wiser maybe you know, <laughs> know how much yeah. but you know what I mean because because yeah. I've been through so much I'm not I'm not that kind of 20 year old that I was who was you know zipping yeah. around doing gigs everywhere and very kind of so but I think that was yeah it was fascinating what you the, what you're saying it's about working with people sort of psychology identif- identity that grieving process you know really interesting
3: yes I think um, all of these are things that are very important I think sometimes some of my um, local occupational therapy colleagues who will ring me up because we're a tertiary service so tertiary meaning that we're a regional specialist service so you know folk um, colleagues who find out about me through various fair means and foul Will you know, get my number and they'll ring me up and they'll go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what, you know, um, and I'm just like, just start at the beginning, you know, start with the foundations of occupation, which is about doing and becoming and exploring and roles because all of these things change and do it through meaningful activity and purposeful activity Um, and to see to show that individual that they aren't lost um and take and take your time if you can if the systems allow you um which unfortunately they don't
2: um but um
3: yeah but but just just do that and and be aware that it might not be the right time for the individual um you Lots right. of like people are really, really angry. Yeah, <laughs> They're yeah. Really angry at themselves. They blame themselves. They blame others. They're just like, "Why the hecky peck has this happened to me?"
0: Um, get out, Alex. It, get out of my brain. <laughs> yeah. <I> know, <laughs> sorry. Um. But you know. And um, but okay, kind of. I hold, went
1: through that. <laughs> I went through rage as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: And um, but hold them and be okay with that and know that they might bounce back into your inbox in you know a year or so. So's time
2: because
3: yeah. I think um I mean people we often it's it's funny old thing in the health professions we kind of go oh this person's really complicated um, <clears throat> and I actually kind of go well most people are kind of complicated and actually if you took me and put me in that situation I suspect I'd rage on too you know <laughs> yeah. let's kind of yeah, let's um, kind of understand that shall we response, I think, I think it? it's a <laughs> very normal response absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes I think, um, when you become a health professional, sometimes, um, well, you have to, oh, you do have to protect yourself a little bit because otherwise you can get so, become so enmeshed and so involved, um, that, that, you know, that can be, that can be quite hard and you, and you give absolutely everything. Um, so, but I do also want to say to health professionals, don't lose that side of yourself either. And it's a difficult balance.
1: Yeah, I certainly yeah. have friends, friends, in the, in, you know, friends who are doctors have talked about that, that finding that balance where you, I think a lot of them have talked about how initially you want to sort of give everything and then you learn that you've got to hold something back or you're just going to get burnout, you know, because mm. I think I mean, mm. it must be unbelievably challenging working in this kind of field. And, you know, certainly what you do, Alex, I imagine it is, I mean, it's pretty intense, isn't it, working in rehab?
3: I'm oh, I'm knackered most of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in um, um, really raw state, aren't you? you know. Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. Um, but my goodness, it's absolutely. Um, I, I, I mean, it sounds really corny, but uh, I think it's an utter privilege and it's a great honor when people let you into their lives and trust yeah. you enough. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I wonder if I'm. Oh, gosh, this is me. And now I'm getting you getting into my head. This is sometimes I'm, I'm like, OK, am I actually uh, am I earning that, this person's trust? Um, am I giving enough? And, and gosh, yes, it's, um, it is a, um, a little bit of a tug of war that's going on all of the time inside of you as a health professional. But I suppose if we get back to the original, my original point was actually um, people are complex. So when we define people with FMD as complex, I think everyone's complex and actually yeah, yeah. you have this crazy weird condition that came upon you where your body wasn't doing actually what it's supposed to do. And neither <laughs> did your brain for that matter. Then, yeah, you're going to, you're going to pretty much rage on. So I would, I'd say to colleagues, um, you know, okay. Maybe right out the, right the rage. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just hold them on, hold, hold them for now. See what you can do now. But chances are probably going to come back, um, yeah. with more questions. And so let's just be a little bit more ebb and flow and understanding if the systems allow. So
0: you just got to yeah. get on the rage train. You got you to get on and just ride it. And then mm. it happens. Yeah.
1: I okay. agree. Yeah. 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 You, you, you can get past it. There's a point where you get past it and you're like, OK, I've done the raging. Now I've got to think about what I'm going to do now. You know. Yeah. Um, I think, you know.
0: Tom, do you just because I'll see you've been diamonds a lot longer than I have. Do you find that you have moments of complete rage still, or are you like completely at one with it? Because I find that every now and again I get so cross, although I don't know how to show anger, so that's really entertaining. I'm <laughs> Cross, but I can't yeah. do anything with it because it doesn't come out externally, and then it kind of goes and disappears. Do you still have those moments, or is it just oh, me and my weird? No,
1: I, I, seriously, I have, I do. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the problems for me is that I'm. I was a very... I am, by nature, a very driven person. Um, you know, very kind of... When I do things, I tend to do them absolutely full-on, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone in my family's like that. I guess it's just the way we're made. And mm. um, that's something... Certainly my OT and all my team, they applied a, quite a bit of psychology in that thinking about how to manage that trait in myself. But when I get... When that trait gets frustrated, I, I get angry. And it, obviously it was the most, abs- for someone who's very kind of driven and high achieving to suddenly be stopped in their tracks completely, mm. you know, uh, in the middle of a burgeoning, you know, kind of international music group was, is hardcore. And I, I think I am not a good candidate for FND and I've sort of had, had to kind of learn to be more Zen. You know, yeah. But I still, even now, I mean, my my partner Alice has seen me raging and going, "Oh God, I just want to bloody get on with it," and you know, and 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 go, you know, I'm so fed up with this bloody illness. You know? But I've sort of had to kind of develop ways to manage that. You know. Well, but-
0: I'm I'm really happy for you that you are able to show your anger. I'm actually a little bit jealous. Um, weird sentence to have thought through, this, <laughs> but I'm I'm happy for you that you can express your anger and that although it's there yeah actually it's less for you
1: because i mean it's great can't you just have a i don't know just like punch a pillow or something just have a no moment? it doesn't
0: it doesn't it doesn't like doing that
1: really does it make the fnd worse
0: no it just it it's like i've suppressed the emotion completely oh gosh i've yeah. got i've got so i can i'll like register it slightly that i'm feeling cross mm. but it's not i can't let that out in any way Like it just sits in me and I go, I know I'm cross, but I will show no sign of being cross. There's nothing to give it away that I'm cross other than the fact that I will go, hmm, might be a little bit cross, but I cannot let it out in any way, shape or form, which is really frustrating. Yeah, and then it gets worse because I'm frustrated I'm frustrated, so, you know.
3: Well, that's that's really interesting because I've got um, a lass who's probably, who may actually listen to this, and um, I'm sorry because I've not replied to your emails, by the way. I've (laughs) just been really busy, but I will get there. Um, And uh, she describes this, and maybe she'll laugh when she hears this. So she has the same phenomena as you. Um, She struggles to identify and name the emotion. Yeah. So she but she has been able to describe it. So mm. um so we've encouraged description. And the word that we came up with was fizzing. So she starts to fizz. Mm. Um, well. And so what she does is she tells her wife, I'm fizzing. And then they know that actually what she needs is a little bit of space.
0: Yeah.
3: Until the fizzing. Um, which is a sensation in the top of her chest leaves her or what she does is she kind of tries to match it with music you're going to like this Tom
2: yeah. um,
3: so, so she um, she would be like right okay so the fizzing equals death leopard <laughs> um, and I need to move from death leopard to Adele so she's got <laughs> a, a, a playlist and she sticks on a playlist and it brings the fizzing in her chest down And I know that that, but it's only by working with somebody that you can kind of work that out. Mm. Because for me, um, lots of folk with FND will come to us and they don't have a language for how they're feeling. And if you think about the concept of FND, the concept of FND is that it is embodied, isn't it? This is the brain and the mind and the body and information processing is all kind of gone a bit skew with, And actually... Um, therefore, you might not have the ability to define it in language, mm. um, but you can have a sense of what it might be, or a, or a colour, or something like that, yeah. and actually bring it down through a, a more creative process, if you like, I or think, a more practical, yeah. physical process.
1: I think I might you've, try more, that. you've nailed it, Alex. I mean, my my OT, I saw her working. She did a lot of work with me. Um, certainly with 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 art particularly mm. in the beginning where just trying to partly to try and get my hands just working again because mm. I my fine motor movements mm. started out just kind of swishing paint around you know just as a kind of physical rehab mm. also she was very keen for me to start pouring my feelings into the work mm. and that helped a lot but also For me, I think expressing my feelings hasn't been such a part of my condition, but I certainly met a lot of patients who were struggling with things, some very traumatic things, and they had PTSD. Mm. And certainly talking to my OT and talking to other people, I think approaching very difficult feelings that are hard to express verbally through art, through music, through creative processes, can be one way to 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 start to sort of get them out of out of oh. get them out there. You know, I think arts therapy, music therapy, has a lot to offer FND patients, particularly if you're if you're struggling with with that kind of emotional side of it. You know,
0: maybe yeah. I need, maybe I need to try that. I don't think I ever had an OT, so Me, I... yeah. I think I'm learning so much. so I might have to try.
1: But would it be worth d- just trying to pour? If, if is it that you can't identify the anger?
0: So or- <laughs> my husband and I have talked about this quite regularly. Because um, well, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I'm okay. And I can't actually like pinpoint yeah. like, uh, the happiness or the sadness or whatever. And I, it's, he's like, well, well, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm I'm just I kind of I feel numb quite a lot. I think that's because I've forgotten how to identify those emotions like you said like it's kind of got lost within lots of other things Mm. um and it's I can kind of I register it internally but it's not to the level which I'm like oh yeah I'm definitely angry I'll be like Mm. oh I feel like I'm a little bit but I might Mm. not be I might just be hungry um and quite often Feel like I'm really hungry when I've just eaten a full dinner, so that's quite regular for me.
1: Um, And did all this begin with the FND? Yeah, yeah. So it's
0: one of the fun little perks I got.
1: (laughs) It's like your brain's all jumbled up, isn't it? And it's not. Yeah,
0: it's
1: yeah, yeah, and
3: it's and it's working out what is what, which is really really hard for people because they'll say, "How do I know the difference between X and Y?" Um, but. Through creativity, because often the language is not there because language can be, as you both know, really profoundly affected your word finding, your descriptive powers, your abstractness, um, your 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 sense of relation to others um reading others, all of those kinds of things could get affected because what we're talking about is information processing Mm. and all of that is information processing. It's about finding the way to that point. If that's important for you, because clearly if it's not important to you, then you're not gonna work on it. But if you do want to work on it, because actually it will have an impact on how you undertake your everyday Mm -hmm. um and therefore will have a domino effect on other areas of your life then then maybe it is about exploring it through a different way not just through a language and porthole if you like mm, um
1: yeah through a, to, to approach it without language and without mm. maybe having to e- explain it just paint it out you mm. know, yeah that, that for some people that can really work but can i would it be okay if I? We were talking about this, Alex. You talked about the the mind body relationship and and the importance of approaching FND sort of holistically. You know the the mm. the, the interaction between neurology, mind, psychology, and mm. I was wondering if if just to get slightly technical, I don't know if people listening <laughs> to try and explain. I'm going to try and do this without. Making it complicated, but I think it'd be good to try and get across to anyone listening why this makes sense in terms of how the brain works and what's going mm-hmm. on. With okay. um, and D,
0: um, and I'm going to attempt to follow. Okay, but if I get lost, please forgive me. I'm going to do my best to follow what you're talking about if you're about the <laughs> <be laughs> scientific. But okay. my li- my knowledge of scientific stuff is quite limited, so
1: I'm, I'm doing <laughs> well, I'm just going to put it really simply. I think that one of the things that's come out. Of a lot of the research. I mean, I've just read a huge amount of it for this Inform the Doctor campaign, because um, I've had to, I was sort of given the job of filtering a lot of it out of the papers. So and I think one of the things that's really clear to me is that parts of the brain that control emotion, movement, pain processing, and possibly even our sense of self mm-hmm. are just so intertwined...
3: Yes, indeed.
1: ..that this kind of splitting of neurology and psychiatry into sort of two different camps mm-hmm. is just not how the brain works.
3: No, it's really not. And um, it only it only came about through... Um, obviously different factions in psychiatry. And when you look at the history of the brain as a whole, you know, where it sort of came from, it came together at certain points and then it went away again at certain points. And now we're coming back again. So the tectonic plates are shifting towards some of the original ideas, which by the way, were around Um, pre-Freud, they were there. but then they all went off on the separate pathways because they, you know, had you know bun fights in France, <laughs> and yeah, then they came. Uh, um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's um, I would say it's integrated neuroscience. Yeah. So words, yeah, it does sound fancy, but it basically means that everything works together as a system. So we used to think that everything was in chunks. And for the purpose of teaching, and for the purpose of understanding, then you can see why it's taught in chunks. It's, um, and then we used to think that all of the the lobes of the brain worked separately from one another; they were sitting in their own silos. But actually, we now know that it's all integrated. There's a system to it. So, in other words. When you start your car in the morning, if you've not got engine oil, the whole thing's going to seize up. It's the same principle. Um, So in other words, self-care comes into this uh, and the whole uh, maintenance of the system. And what often happens when people tell me their stories, it's so important to listen to people's stories, is that It's interesting, you know, I'm going to illustrate this with Tom, you know, like he was a major, you know, sort of like he was he was at full tilt, giving 100 percent to this, you know, huge element of his life, which is very, very important. But actually, there has to be balance in everything and in including in the body. And I will often explain to people that actually there's a, a system within the body which is designed for balance and it's called homeostasis. And so homeostasis is like, you know, when you look at your bloods, it says normal, abnormal levels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you get abnormal levels, it means that the homeostasis, if you like, within your bloods is out of whack. So something needs addressing. Mm -hmm. And actually, the same is true of our whole beings, that actually you can give 100 percent to one aspect of your life. But actually what you need to really be doing is. Making sure that there's balance in everything, and Tom's saying that actually, after this experience, now he has to learn to temper that 100% pushing in one aspect of his life, so he's Zen right across
1: it. (laughs) I'm trying,
3: (laughs) yeah, and often people will come to us and they have they're huge givers, usually, they're huge givers to others, but they never actually give to themselves. And there's some beautiful research on that in um, qualitative research about folk with FND, that actually they're not attended to other aspects of this, their lives, and they are somewhat out of kilter. And I suppose it goes to illustrating that actually brain and the mind and the body works together. It's integrated. It, it craves balance. And often we don't give it uh, to our systems And then our systems, for whatever reason, alter. And again, that's one of the many, many theories, isn't it, behind FND? Um, But it's a really important neuroscience. When we look at neuroscience, when we look at the way the brain works, it works on a series of systems, but it works on a series of checks and balances.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I do think, I think it would be wrong to apply that to every patient with FND. I mean, I don't Mm. think... Yeah, no, it's about say, stories. It, it's
3: about individual yeah, stories,
1: isn't it? it yeah. It, it, it'd be too, too much of a generalisation to say every patient with FND got it because they were not living a balanced life. Oh, yeah.
0: no, no. I, I, I guess, I, I'm going to put it, my hand up and say that was definitely me.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bully me. a lot of... For, I mean, for example, I think there's just an element of bad luck. I mean, a lot of people that I was playing mm. with working with were going as full tilt as I was. It was just, unfortunately, I was the one who got ill. Mm. So I think enormous yeah. complexity I'm not disagreeing with what you say, Alex. I think I think' mm. a lot in what you're saying definitely, but i I do sometimes worry that psychosocial theories have been af- applied sort of a bit excessively to Yes people. yeah agreed, I think, I, think agreed. That, I think everything you're saying is really important and, is, mm. and is, does need to be considered. But I think there also has to be. There will be exceptions to that as well. Mm, definitely, I mean, I've, I've mm. met people who, you know, literally they just got FND because they had a blow to the head.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah.
1: no, there really isn't a lot of psychology to be discussed. You know, it's no, there really isn't. No, it's just some, some, some sort of physio, neurophysio rehab to try and. Get, get get things, do you know what I mean? So it's there's, a, there's kind of a huge spectrum, I think, isn't there, in the FND? Oh,
3: in the FND community, yes. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to there
1: is. Really try and encourage all the doctors and medical professionals I talk to is to, to really think in nuanced terms and complex terms.
2: Mm, okay.
1: You're going to yeah. get a massive spectrum of, of different types of people. Mm. Certainly there are a lot of people who've got where certainly psychological trauma is is going to be a big driver of their condition, but there'll also be a lot where literally it'll be irrelevant. They won't they won't have any, you know, and and certainly where things like whether they had a balanced life. I th- I think you're probably right. I've met a lot of FND patients, and I think that is quite common what you're saying. But I think I've also met people where. That wouldn't apply, you know. So that's what I always try and get across is that you know, trying to try and view it re- from a really complex position, like and see I, the nuances and yeah. the shades of grey. You know,
3: definitely. And I suppose, I suppose, what I was doing was trying to illustrate it um, from an integrated perspective, yeah. rather than. Um, but that's why I stress that everyone's stories are unique to them. So, um, it's not everyone. It's definitely not everyone. Um, And that's what makes it so flipping complex, isn't it? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, So, and yeah, but you've got to lean into people's stories. You've got to lean into people's stories, for sure.
0: I think Um, that's, that's definitely the most important part, like, the sharing of the story. So, like, obviously, with my podcast, I've spoken to so many people. I've had the privilege of hearing so many different people's stories. And... You've got people who where it has stemmed from trauma.
2: Yeah. Whether that yeah. be
0: childhood, psychological, or you know, a blow to the head, whatever it might be. And everyone's got a slightly different story to tell. And some people, they just woke up and unfortunately it had happened. Yeah. And it's that sort of like actually the kind of I'm 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 pretending I know what I'm talking about. So do correct me if I'm wrong. And um, no, no, the historic view no. is yeah. that FND stemmed from trauma, and therefore yeah. everyone immediately, as soon as you encounter maybe that that psychologist or whatever might go to, oh, well, there's a trauma here that I've got to find. But actually, sometimes, like you're saying, Tom, there isn't that trauma. There isn't that kind no. of that traditional view of, oh, it was trauma or you gave too much um, out. But then again, for some people, that is exactly what happened. So you've got to always go back to their story, like you said, Alex, of like hearing about it and in detail and maybe those little things that – the person might think and is means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. Could actually be the thing that clues you into whether or not it was a trauma, or it just happened, or they gave too much of themselves away. Whatever it might be, those small details will add up to yeah. give you that clue as to what was going on. Absolutely. Um, did, did that sound right? Did I? Sound yeah. Right no. I that,
1: and what you're saying actually reflects. I was speaking to Alan, Professor Alan Carson, recently. And I said to him, of course, you know, FND can be triggered by either physical trauma, you know, like an accident or a blow to the head, or psychological trauma, like PTSD or or that kind of thing. And he said, well, actually, there's a third group. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, who don't have any physical trauma or psychological trauma. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's why certainly now I think that he said we're, we're doing a lot more research into genetic risk factors now.
3: So, mm.
1: that there might be certain inherent things that might just make you more predisposed to getting FND. You know, yeah. And in
3: in the group we talk about genetics. Actually, yeah. we talk about one of the predisposing factors might be genetics. Very careful to say, obviously, um, not inherited necessarily, um because genes are genes and genes what uh, are what make us up. Uh, you know, what what make us. We know we know this to be true, don't we? Yeah. And actually, we'll, I will talk to them and I'll say, actually, it might just be that your FND gene got turned on. Yeah, the tap, the <laughs> tap got the tap got turned on. Maybe it was leaking for a while. You know, maybe the tap was know. leaking for a while because a lot of people will come with their stories. Let's go back to the people's stories, and they'll go, you know what? I think I've had this for a while. Yeah, um, but there was yeah. something that turned the tap full on. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's interesting, so it's like you say about the folk that come perhaps with a head injury or a, sorry, a brain injury. If we're going to because head injuries are different from brain injuries um, is, yeah. is actually that was the point at which I it came full on. The tap got turned fully on at that point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's
3: like, again, when I talk about integrated systems, say for example you're born with the fnd gene okay and forgive me scientists out there genetic scientists out there um but say you know you are born with this particular um i suppose susceptibility to developing fnd um it may very well be that you are placed in certain circumstances and your taps never turned on no. but actually um Sometimes people are placed in certain circumstances, and for whatever reason, their tap gets turned on.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you put that beautifully, Alex. Yeah, mm. I think because genes are triggered, aren't they, by environment? Mm. By so you yeah. have a gene for cancer, but mm. it might never get triggered. It might life. never get.
3: Mm, yeah, it might never get switched on. It might never if, get switched on. Yeah,
1: something might happen. I don't know. You might be exposed to some environmental factors that might trigger it, or some stress, or who knows what causes any illness. It's probably, it's always um, good to look at the multitude of contributing factors, isn't it? And as you're saying, Alex, to approach FND from that holistic perspective to say, let's look at the neurology. let's also yeah. look at the psychology, let's look at emotions. Let's look at all of it, okay. the big picture, you know?
0: Yeah, so get yeah. every element and work
1: yeah. with every element as uh, best you can. For FFP, for yeah. that's best, because all the, the brain areas involved are both emotional, movement-orientated, pain-orientated. You know, it, all those bits are implicated, aren't they, in the condition in terms of the, the you know, like the, the insular cortex, which all keeps coming up in, in, in uh, research is responsible for emotional processing pain processing mm-hmm. and a role in controlling movement so you know just that one brain area is doing all those different things so that's why the what they call the biopsychosocial model which is which incorporates every every sort of thing we're talking about is is really the best model isn't it for for treating FND you know
3: death i i think so i i very much think so and i no. i'm a bit biased but you know but i do believe my profession my profession is based on a triad person environment occupation no. um no. and um that's why i firmly believe in um individuals with uh FND being offered a range of professionals because some folk engage some folk engage brilliantly with um physiotherapy but physiotherapy is also biopsychosocial they come at it from a different philosophy it's a movement angle you know there's a a driver towards movement but um occupational therapists come as a driver from occupation psychologists a driver from psychology and so on and so forth and individuals with fmg need access to a range of philosophies um, which match, I suppose, their um how they also approach the world, mm. or maybe or maybe not. I mean, um, so you yeah. know thinking about think language, they- for example, um, speech and language therapists have a huge range of skills to offer people. Um, you know, we were just talking now about, you know, not recognizing, you know, anger, for example actually working with a speech and language therapist you could work in a very very similar way about promoting your communication if that's the thing that you really wanted to work on and that was getting in the way of your quality of life
0: yeah i think so i actually had um a speech and language therapist um and it was really i think she found it really difficult that she tried but because i was fluctuating so much at the time Mm -hmm. it was really hard to have successful kind of steps in place because i was i was changing like five minutes at a time wow. and it was really difficult to kind of have that consistency yeah of what we could do
1: to be <coughs> supportive
0: but i hadn't considered that as an alternative approach to it um, hmm. but that that does make sense it's just not what well, i thought of
1: <laughs> that's really tough that 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 it was is it still like that the the fng is it still very you can switch um, every five minutes.
0: So, I mean, it varies day to day. So I'm very aware of monitoring my energy levels. and I don't mean like yeah. my actual energy, but like my brain energy levels. And I will try and work out what the kind of, the cost will be of each activity onto those energy levels. So I know like obviously today I've done this. My yeah. plan for the rest of the day is I'm not going to do anything. And then I will balance that back out. And I can kind of, as I'm becoming more experienced in the activities I'm choosing to do, I can work out how much brain space it takes up for me and how full my bucket gets. And then I can empty it out by, you know, sitting and watching the same thing on TV for six hours, if that's what does it for me, or, you know, making some cookies, whatever it might be, I try and balance it that way. But it's such a difficult thing to try and get. And my sense of control is so so varied I'm days I'm at complete mercy like I don't know what could happen in the next five minutes my brain could choose to tap out in five minutes time like I don't know um and I guess that's the same for lots of people with FND you just it's that unknown factor of when will I when will it kick in when will it stay out will it do at the right time will it randomly happen and you're in the middle of something and you're like ah like it's it's that I think it's the loss of control for me because like my sense of control and it's not having it that's really irritating sorry did I actually answer your question
1: yeah no I mean it's really tough isn't it yeah about not knowing but I think also I mean it's what you're doing I I have to live a very similar way to you in that I certainly after this I will probably I've got something on this evening but I'll probably chill out Mm. you know and I do have to think. I do have to plan a lot and think. Okay, yeah, I'm doing that. So I'll need to factor in maybe an afternoon where I just go to the park and just be very peaceful and give my brain a rest. You know,
2: <laughs> I, I'm
1: similar. I have to pace my. It's it's sort of pacing, and certainly I learned a lot about that during my rehab. And I think I think that's the thing is, if even if you did have a very Before you got FND, even if you weren't a sort of a driven person like I was or whatever, I think once you've got FND, you've got to find that balance.
0: Yeah. And I I used to really rebel against the idea of pacing. Yeah, me too. My physio, my poor physio, bless him, he was like, you need to pace yourself. And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm going to run a marathon because I can, and I will prove to you I can. I've not run a marathon, but I was that person. So, bless him, he was like, no, like, seriously, calm down. Like, just try and take one step at a time. No, I'm going to run them. I was that person. Um, And I completely rebelled against it because I was, and a couple of doctors actually commented, you're really quite stubborn. And I'm like, I am. You are correct. I'm sorry. Oh, Um, I love but I, love I, just, it. I couldn't get, I couldn't get on board with it. I was like, no, if I'm well, I'm going to run a marathon. I don't care. I'm doing it. I can, I'm going. And then know? I'd be like, oh wait, now I can't move for a month. You know, maybe that's a bad plan. But I'm like, no, no. At the time I'm like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm gone. Yeah. I'll deal with consequences later. Whether yeah. that's just me, I don't know, but I really didn't no. not the idea.
1: <laughs> very similar. My physio was the same. I mean, he actually sort of had stern words with me and said, look, if you don't, pace yourself as we're telling you to you're going to blow your rehab you know yeah um, That's, that. it's so,
2: honestly this
3: conversation it's the like conversation happening with therapists up and down up and down the uh, the country with oh. um, with the ones that they work with oh it's hilarious so um in that i've got this like little booth um so um my office our office i share share an office with other therapists and we're in these little like booths um rather like that that cartoon was it digbert yeah i think it's digbert when there's a computer scientist who works in a little little booth but anyway so my colleague who works with folk with chronic fatigue stroke um me she's constantly having the rinse and repeat conversation about pacing um (laughs) next door and um and then I'm having the conversation with um, the very wonderful and but stubborn folk with FND going, um, <laughs> going uh, right, they're like, right, but Alex, I've got a life and this is really dull. FND is really bloody boring. Mm. And then, like, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Absolutely. I said, but you know what? You've come to me to ask me my professional opinion. And <laughs> what I'm saying is <laughs> and they're going, but I've got a life. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I, I don't yeah. want to
0: hear this opinion. I, want I you okay. to tell me I can do
3: it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm like, well, all right then. But here's the thing. What I'm saying is, dum diddy dum diddy dum. And they're going, Yeah, I hear you. And you can almost see the whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but actually most people most people go, okay yeah I get it and I'll say I tell you what let's do a little bit of a doubt experiment you do it my way for a week and then you do it your way for a week and let's see where we come to <laughs>
0: <The> <laughs> like, I, like, good, yeah, yeah all right <laughs> I think like bless my poor physio like I dread to think the stress I put him through when I was in that oh. market, but I think I was just so like I can do it I I've I got this Let me just run. It's fine. If I fall over, I'll fall over. Um, And I I think because of my dissociation, I was completely unfazed in everything. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to crack on because I've got nothing else going on. I don't know what to do. I can't think. I don't have an internal monologue. Let's just go. Um, And bless him. He must have been pulling his hair out with me by the end. Going, Oh, my God, please stop. Just stop. But I think I came around to the idea, I just needed to do it in my own time, myself in my own yes, yes, time. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely.
3: And you know, you're doing therapy in real life. I mean, there are lots of folk out there. There are people, you know, there are some people who are very, very lucky to go into inpatient settings and get, you know, a concentrated period of rehab. Great. Mm. But there are um, there are many people that are having to rehab themselves in real life and there are competing interests, and uh, yeah, everything is kind of skinny on the ground, and there you there you are as a health professional trying to communicate this to somebody whose life has changed irrevocably, um, <laughs> telling you to take a hike, again, you know, dearest therapy colleagues just you know that's gonna be a thing <laughs> we're
0: very sorry i would like to yeah. apologize to all those people on the behalf of patients like me yeah. we're very sorry it is not personal we will come uh-huh. out to your way of thinking we are just being stubborn
2: bear with uh, us yeah i'd
1: like to offer a formal apology as well <laughs> <to my friend. laughs>
0: <laughs> so shout out to my physio who I'm sure I'm very sorry to this is me apologizing I realize it's taken me two years to apologize I'm very very sorry um, I've only just realized how potentially mean I was to you I'm very very sorry
1: yeah I'm really seeing the other side of it here Alex you know <laughs>
3: see if it's done with good humour and good grace um, and yeah. from both parties, mm-hmm. it's totally fine. I don't um, think
0: I was mean, I just think I was stubborn. Like, yeah, yeah, like, I did it with know. a sense of humour, but I was like, oh no, I can totally do that. And he was like, no, you can't. I'm like, you'll watch me. <laughs> yeah. um,
3: um, what, what I've done happens is younger therapists will come to me and go, but they're not doing what I've asked them to do. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Give them a week.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs>
2: yeah
0: oh I feel mm. like I was a horrible physio patient now I'm so sorry no, no you I'm really so
3: weren't you really weren't you really weren't I was um, just on. I was them.
0: on my own path I was on my own slightly wobblier path I'm so
3: sorry it's <laughs> your it's your it's it's your story that's the whole yeah. point, that's the whole point and and how wonderful that we can laugh about it as well yes
0: so. and I, I think it's wonderful that we've been able to have these conversations as two people with FND and various Um, kind of lengths of diagnosis and also you as that medical professional to be able to have that because like you said Tom like you're seeing the other side of it yeah I never considered that actually he might go away and go oh my god why isn't she listening and I'm going oh well I know I can just do it just get on my recovery train like let's go and it's having those conversations so you can see the other side of it
1: It it must be very hard when you've got people who've been very busy active living their life and then suddenly they are stopped in their tracks Mm. and you've got to say to them as a medical professional look you're gonna have to pace yourself and go slow to kind of like recover and make improvements and and I suppose it's quite natural for someone who's been busy active working doing it to to really resist that because it's quite quite a tough one to 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 swallow isn't it and Mm. it, Mm. it, it, it must be very challenging to to convey to people sort of what they've got to do to get better and that they have to, they're going to have to live in, and learn to live a slightly different way, you know, to, to do this rehabilitation and and be met with that resistance, you know. I, I just want it the way it was, hard. you know. What was that?
0: I found that incredibly hard. Like, I went from working full-time as a, as a primary school teacher, yeah. working non-stop, I was in the gym six times a week. I went from this very active, very kind of, um athletic person to all of a sudden I couldn't walk up the stairs yeah get in and out of the bath and that adjustment for me was so hard because I was like but I can do it I just don't know how to do it but I can do it and I will do it I just can't get there right now
1: really tough really Mm. tough yeah Mm.
3: Yeah, and uh, I don't think that anyone should underestimate that. And I think sometimes what I also see I love that
0: you're already I,
2: laughing
3: before you uh, set yeah, was well, just uh, Yeah, well, I laugh a lot. I do <laughs> laugh a lot. Um, it, so um, what I'll see is like, um, I don't know, patient, non-compliant
2: or... patient
3: refused to to engage and I'm like really did they did they or is that just kind of you kind of going actually (laughs) what they were doing was sticking the V's up and they're not ready right now Um, so um, it is Tom as you say it it can be really really hard because you've got a a mix of um, this person has changed sometimes overnight as you've said or over a period of time And there they are and they're stood in front of you as this very squeaky clean health professional and you're kind of basically telling them how to live their lives and they've got to relearn it all. And so your relationship uh, is utterly key, um, and utterly key. Um, And that goes for any health professional. And I would say almost sometimes the therapies within the relationship it's, it's sometimes even actually not necessarily about what you're doing, although that is clearly very, very important. But if you can't make that link, if you can't understand that, if you can't be that person-centred, yeah. then, you know, you're sometimes on a hiding to nothing.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. And that might be why that person is, you know, not engaging. Yeah. Um, and you you just can't sometimes, sometimes, and I'm sure Alan Carson and John Stone and all of my colleagues will say sometimes just having going into a room and having somebody listen to what you have to say and giving you the time Mm -hmm. is enough
1: very important isn't it yeah is enough yeah Yeah,
0: and I guess that's what you kind of do in your groups Alex is on a on a kind of with multiple people there you kind of give them the space to like express something and get it get it off of their chest and ask questions and kind of have that open dialogue with people.
3: Yeah, yes. I And I, I absolutely love the groups. I really, really love the groups. Um, I love working with people one to one. But for me, if people can come together, because often that's a very brave thing to do, to be able to come to a space where you've met, never met anybody else mm. and um, eventually feel that you can tell your story once people do that. That's a very, very powerful thing because they don't – then suddenly they're not alone. It's yeah, like us yeah. three coming together and having this conversation again. Yeah. Fantastic thing. Yeah. Um, but so a, a couple of weeks back, um, one of the current groups is um, a group of ladies. Forgive me, Tom. And um, that- they. I, I had my headphones on and I said uh, – ladies, I'm, I'm just about to set up the presentation because what we usually do is we usually use um, a presentation. It's not death by PowerPoint or anything, um, around about a particular subject. I'm just about to set it up. Talk amongst yourselves because this was, I don't know, about week five. And they've all started to get to know to one another. And one of them pops up and I heard it in my headphones. She went, eh, can we talk about sex? And I went, um, and I kind of like looked up and went, Uh, Oh, okay. (laughs) So we didn't we didn't talk about the thing that we were going to talk about. We talked about we talked about every aspect. We end up talking about every aspect of your life that has changed, including including relationships.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, Yeah. And that's what happened that day. And when I suggested to you my little sort of message to you, we could talk about we could talk about pain we could talk about sex we could talk about this we could talk about that literally literally that's what's so marvelous when you get people together and they say is it just me or <laughs> yeah. are you finding this as well and yeah. people go oh yeah that's totally me gosh you know I've never had the opportunity to talk about that yeah. um, and and yeah it's a wonderful thing yeah I think
0: I think that's a there's so many elements to FND that just aren't really spoken about Um, because people kind of you focus on like I think you focus on like the main kind of ones but you don't focus necessarily or give as much light to things like the relationships and sex and things like that because you're so focused on getting through the day that all those parts kind of fall away Um, so would you mind sharing obviously without giving any names and stuff like what how that conversation turned out in that group around sex and FND
3: I mean yeah if you're if you are fine with that then I'm I'm quite happy and I did actually say to the group I did say this is a really interesting topic and maybe it needs it does need exploring more and Mm. would you like to consider I don't know putting something towards research or a newsletter or something do that and they were like yeah absolutely fine so I know that they'll be okay so um So one lady, her presentation tends to be more about movement, but also about um, non-epileptic events. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. And so um, what she opened with was actually um, after my husband and I are intimate, I will often have a non-epileptic event. Is that common
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: or does anyone have that experience? Cue the little bit of silence and a little bit of processing. and then one lady said well actually it doesn't happen to me but um i have a friend and the same thing happens to her Mm. and i don't know what it's about but yes it does happen and actually how mortified she is by it because clearly they've had a very that couple have had a very intimate experience together and then they're having to manage um, a a non-epileptic event afterwards where quite frankly, and they all laughed a little bit, they should be sitting there together and having a cup of tea or a fag or whatever it be. <laughs> um, so, but then it led to a conversation about not only the experiences of non-epileptic events, possibly during or post intimate acts, um, and what that might signify or what that might mean, whether it might be in release or whether it might be a dissociative event, um, but also about the impact of not being able to move your body in the same way, um, mm-hmm. not feeling the same way about your body. Um, so one lady said, actually, myself and my husband used to move around the bed in a particular way. But now we can't do it anymore, and I feel like a bit of a piece of meat. So therefore, actually, I don't, I don't want to be as active um, as I as I used to be. and therefore how that has affected their intimacy and therefore their relationship and so it was not only I suppose related to the FND and non-epileptic events in and of themselves and um, how intimacy might trigger them possibly Mm. but also the effect of having a body that doesn't work in the same way and how that impacts on your relationship and your drivers towards how you see yourself as a sexual being how you see yourself as a physical being Um, and then also the other one that came up was actually about fatigue so actually sex as um if you if you do have enough spoons in your spoon pile at the end of the day or enough space in your bucket um you know actually do you give that over to an intimate act uh with your partner or actually do you not because actually you've not had enough energy or if you do have enough energy how exhausted you are after the after the act and um how you might need to plan a few days off yeah. so <laughs> um <clears throat> uh, and is it no. worth it and it was a it was um a fascinating topic that I suppose it was a bit cyclical, but it was actually, we didn't really come up with any answers, but it was, um, oh, okay. it was a space to, it was a space to talk about it. Yeah, um,
1: I was hoping you were gonna, cause I've had all these kinds of experiences myself in terms of, uh, you know, obviously, you know, in a, when you're in a long-term relationship with someone, your, your sex life is such a big part of mm. that relationship and having a healthy relationship. It's such an important human drive, isn't it? And I've had problems certainly with, you know, uh, that question of, you know, do I, you know, knowing I only have a certain amount of energy and so there might be times where, you know, I'm all, all having pain, you know, which is preventing you doing it or making it not pleasurable. And I think I think you've really hit on a big topic there, Alex. Definitely. But I, I was hoping that you that you might have, was hoping to say, what are the, what are the solutions?
3: Ah, well, you see, this was only a few weeks back. Yeah. And yes. um, it's the first time that the group, um, or a group, I should say, has ever, you know, felt so comfortable that they could just yeah. say it. Um, and from that, I've kind of gone, what do you want me to do with this? Because clearly this is really important. And mm-hmm. they're like, we want to do something with it, but we're not too sure. And I've been like, okay, leave it with me. I'm going to put it on my pile of things to do. So I kind of, um, I reached out to, um, I suppose, um, a group of uh, professionals, including some of the boffins that you've been speaking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them came back and actually Came back and said we're in the process of writing um, a an article about um, feminism uh, within uh, uh, FND research and about how it how it might be for particularly for females because often you know there's the the old historical arguments about conversion disorder were very much about you know it only affects women. And they're actually a little bit afraid to perhaps go back to that because actually it's a very sensitive discussion because nobody wants to take it back to that point. But actually how FND nowadays might be, I think we need to have an open playing field. We need to have conversations about sex, but we also need to have conversations about how different it might be for men or women or transgender folk or
2: yeah.
3: so, yeah. Um, so it's a case of Tom, Uh, watch this space and if you're interested I will keep you involved and uh, I'm sure that the ladies would um because they are a wonderful um engaging group of people who are really open to discussion now one of them did say this is really important to me I have I have to make time for this this is a a foundation stone of our relationship
2: absolutely (laughs) Yeah. yeah
3: and um and uh, our relationship will change if we don't attend to this yeah um, and therefore we do make time for it and yeah okay it's only every t- only every two weeks but it is pretty much date night and uh, you know there's a a, a a run-up to it so to speak, uh, a saving of energy um, and there is a, um, a post, I'm going to say coital, a couple couple of days um, where I actually might need to rest. Um, Because I've planned it, even if it doesn't happen, um, the whole point is that we've actually attended to it because it's so important to the pair of us.
1: Because it can really affect the relationship. No, I mean, I've talked to my physio about it and talked about how to sort of try and build up, you you know, being able to sort of... Do certain positions and things and working towards Mm -hmm. you actually. It was a bit difficult kind of broaching the subject with him, but once I did, he was absolutely brilliant about it, you know. And he sort of said, Well, you know, if you want to be able to do do it like this, then we need to work on these exercises to get Mm
2: -hmm. back in Mm -hmm.
1: your arms, you know, and things. So uh Sorry, is that a bit too personal? I don't know. No I, think, no, no, I
3: no, no, I, I, don't think it is too it, personal because I a, think in this subject we don't talk about it. I know, it. and I so, mean,
1: he said in a way it's another. He said it, it, he was he was brilliant about it actually. He said it's so important to your relationship, but also, you know, in a way it's another aspect of us trying to rehab you back to sort of a bit more normality. You know, is. Mm. We're getting you to do sort of all these other things you know like getting better at walking further and getting better at doing stairs and all that kind of stuff mm. your sex life is another thing that is
0: it, another it's another element of you and your relationship isn't yeah. it? it's, it's not I think it's always that thing where I'm sure people listening some people will be like why are they talking about this like I didn't sign on to this podcast to hear about <laughs> you sex but actually I would say to those people you know what it's part of what's going on like yeah. as much as you've just said like learning how to walk or talk or remember how to say your name whatever it might be actually being able to have a sex life is still part of that and yeah. it's still part of it's learning normal how life, to carry on and yet yeah, normal life it is normal it is part of being a human it's it's one of those things that actually yes it can be a bit like oh i must hide behind the, the curtains as, as this conversation is happening But actually it needs to happen because it's something that isn't spoken about. I've never had it come up in a conversation with anyone that I've spoken to on this podcast in any way, shape or form. And I think there will be so many people out there who might go, oh my God, I also have that. That makes me feel better. It's now just not, I know there's someone else out there that has this same experience. And that is the power of these conversations and pushing those kind of boundaries out of what might be deemed as safe and kind of, you know, pc yeah. actually we're not saying it in a in a, a way that is inappropriate or anything like that. we're just having that kind of very honest conversation about how it presents for different people <laughs> and that maybe someone else out there will hear this and go okay now i know it's not just me
2: yeah
0: and that yeah. relief that will be felt there's no way you can gauge that unless you have that conversation mm. so oh, sorry think- to anyone who signed on and didn't want to hear about sex yeah. but i'm I, you just have to get over it i'm really sorry well, but it needed yeah, to be said
1: we're so uptight, the English, about sex, anyway, aren't we? I mean, it's you know, um, the French aren't like this. You know, it's 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 a very kind of bridge- oh, I would
3: love now. I want to almost do a compare and contrast. If I like French colleagues were doing exactly the same, <laughs> would they be talking about you know um, our passion and uh, it, would, it would probably begin at the conversation. Maybe it would begin with love. Right uh, that would be marvelous.
0: So, so what we're saying is. Anyone out there who's French, who's currently doing anything to do with FND, we wish to know has this topic come up, and if it has, how did you broach it? we we want to know. <laughs> please reach out because we wish to know the answers.
3: <laughs> we do indeed. We do indeed.
0: I yeah. think it's just an important part. Like it's just another aspect that isn't spoken about. Like the identifying of emotion, it just kind of gets put to the side. Yeah. You deal mm. with the big things, and then you kind of forget about the small things because you're dealing with the big things, and they take time. But this is all equally weighted. It's all as important as the other. We've just got to kind of have the conversations.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well done, Alex, for bringing that one up. Yeah. Really Hats important. off to your group for mentioning it. Yeah, Yeah. Um,
0: yeah,
3: watch this space because um, now, I, I mean, literally, I got sent a whole load of references to work through and I was like, oh, gosh, I'm giving myself a little bit of a job here. But an <laughs> enjoyable one, an enjoyable one for sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you might yeah, be,
0: you might be part of the breakthrough into researching about it
3: or <laughs> nice. well, at least uh, at least um I guess you know so I, I think there's been this move towards everyone's the same, but actually we do have to recognize that everyone is is different as well, and I do think we have to um I'm not suggesting that we go back to the the bad old days of um, actually, this just happens to females or people with female sex brains, um, or female gendered individuals. Um, it's actually about actually, you know, okay, you know, the world is kind of divided into different gendered people, and we do have to recognize that that too, in addition to our conversation earlier on about genetics, Um, it's there are multiple factors that are influencing this condition but actually the act of intimacy itself also needs to be looked at if it's really really important so there's like what is this what is this about gender but also what is this about intimacy what does that actually mean for people but then that practical element tom as you say um actually okay how are we going to help you get back to that if that's your goal your goal is to have you know revisit your intimacy with your loved one. God, that's in so important. Let's help you with that.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. And let's not shy away from that either yeah. being goal. <clears throat> I think when you set goals, everyone's like, oh, I want to be able to walk up the stairs or whatever it might be. That's great. That's a great goal to have. But equally don't shy away from saying, you know, I want to have the um an active sex life again. Like that's yeah. that's an okay yeah. goal to have. Yep. Yeah. Like there's no shame in that. No. Yeah. You know. So
2: yeah, this is fun. <laughs> 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 well,
0: Love guys, it. I think I think we're gonna round this one up here on sex and leave it at that. <laughs> we can always do a part on, two. That note, we'll yeah. on a different time. Okay. We've topped we've topped today off with the sex one. Brilliant. Ending, <laughs> so, yeah. Is there anything either of you would like to say just to finish us off?
2: Um no,
3: I don't think so. I guess what I would say is. Do seek out allied health professionals. If you, um, you may have seen a neurologist, you may have seen a neuropsychiatrist. Um, you may feel like you're wandering out in the wilderness a little bit. Um, but today, funny old thing, I believe is Allied Health Professionals Day. So this is good. It's a good message. Um, <laughs> do um, seek out a referral to a community neuro rehab team. Um to seek out uh, physiotherapy, speech and thera- speech and language therapy, dietitian, occupational therapy, because you know today I think we've spoken about there are different ways of looking at it and different ways of treating and different philosophies. and you might find that that way lies um, lies the way that's appropriate for you. So mm. that's what I would suggest
1: yeah thank you Tom what about you I I think for me it's really just to, to to remind people to plug the campaign again I think just uh yeah please do go and check it out on the FND action website uh the inform the doctor campaign and um yeah go to the website click on the link have a look a and, and go the, forth
0: and make awareness happen yes yeah. <laughs> well, well <said. laughs> uh, it wasn't a very good eng- like the english in that sentence was not great but you got the gist that's fine got the message
1: across that, yeah. that's
0: fine um so thank you so much for coming on guys it's been an absolute pleasure i've had great fun i feel like <laughs> i've taken so much away from this i need to go and like debrief my brain onto a piece of paper um <laughs> so we'll maybe have to do a part two and cover all the other things we didn't get time to cover in today's um but yeah thank you so much for coming on and giving up your time and thank you so much for guys at home for listening i hope you find it um useful in whatever aspect you take away from it whether it be sex or quite what Um, and stay tuned for the next episode thank you so much all right bye
2: bye bye thanks well
0: done guys